It's okay, um, you get, you're close. It's, what, what is it called? They jerk on your stuff? Yeah. Something with an Introspection, reflection. Yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's like, you do, like you have to cut up all the vegetables before you throw it in the omelet. Preparation, <laughs> like <laughs> cooking prep. Yeah, it's like the prep It is the, the prep, it is, but here's an interesting issue. But here's the interesting thing is many people obviously relate to it that way, and it is. We're going to talk about that, that it's preparation for Rosh Hashanah because however you stand on Rosh Hashanah spiritually, however, whoever you are on Rosh Hashanah is, is, this, is the, is the um, sets the tone, the template, the whole of the next year. Whoever you are on Rosh Hashanah, that's what Hashem judges you as. He judges every single one of us that day in a positive way judges your potential, what you need for the coming year to become your potential. And that's what, however, whatever state you're in on Rosh Hashanah, that's then what determines what he gives you. So it's actually a very, very powerful day. It's unbelievable because if, you're, if you can lead yourself into a good place on that day, you can change your life in one day. It's, um, people don't realize this, the power of Rosh Hashanah. They think it's just another day and you eat for two days and you stand in shul for hours and it's boring. And they don't really, once you start to understand the spiritual mechanisms of what's going on with all the holidays, it's unbelievable if you can kind of tap in and ride that energy, right? And maximize it for yourself. It's incredible because you can then use it to transform yourself. So Elul is the beginning of that process. And there's a special power that's also available to us in Elul to get you ready for the year, which is what Sam was saying, the king is in the field. What does that really mean? It means there's an extra closeness. Fingers? The king. The king. Oh, I've got to slow down to speak American. The king is in the field. <laughs> what are you saying, Jackie? Slow? <laughs> no, I'm Australian. No one can understand me. That king is in the field. Um, is that better? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so, was that like, was that valley? Valley? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh my gosh, it's amazing I'm doing American accents. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's big stuff, It's big stuff. I'm really making it, you know. This is what it all about. This is when I know I'm just like on track and my, my tikkun, um, <laughs> my purpose. Tikkun. Oh, that's how they would say Tikkun. Okay. So, um, the American Hebrew, like, right, yeah. Shalom, Aleichem. <laughs> um, so, uh, but what people miss is that there's a specialness available just for its own sake. It's not just about getting to Rosh Hashanah. So the energy here is, if you look at the star sign, what's the star sign usually? It's, yes, Virgo. So what is Virgo? It's about a virgin being pure, being going back to your essence. It's about renewal. That's the whole idea of what Shuva is. Yeah, Shuva is all about correcting yourself, going back to your essence. Yeah, which is the whole preparation of things we start to correct and amend before Rosh Hashanah when we're meant to stand in hopefully the highest place we're able to stand for ourselves on that day. Okay, so there's, um, it is about reflection. It is about starting to look back at the end of like the whole year that's gone before and say like, okay, how do I, how do, I do? What happened to me? What were my strengths? What were my weaknesses? What do I need to correct? What were my challenges? Where did I fail? Where did I triumph? There is, a, it, there is a time now of honest reflection. They call it Cheshbon Nefesh, where you start to weigh up yourself in a way, very honestly, not judgmentally and damning, but very honestly, like ruthless honesty. Like I went, oh, I did really well in this area and I really struggled in that area. So it's not about damning yourself because once you start to judge yourself, you just get paralyzed by feeling bad. So that just stops all growth. But it is about being ruthlessly honest of like, oh, I, or maybe I did things too intensely. And that undermined me. Or maybe I did things, you know, I was too chill and I didn't push myself, right? So you gotta, you gotta know yourself. Ruthless self-honesty is your best friend. Your best friend. 
Just to be ruthlessly self honest with yourself, right? If you don't know, then you should check with someone else, like as far as advice, if, you're not, if you don't have a clear thing. Anyway, there's a friend of mine in Israel, years and years and years ago, put together a little brochure on, for Elul about like certain things to reflect on. Um, it's done for like people who are at, at, not at all religious at all, but it's just got questions, misconceptions about certain attitudes to help you reflect, about dreams, about your life, about experiences and your strengths. Anyway, I've got it on my computer and I will upload it to the Sold Facebook group if you want to just download it and print it off for yourself and do it. That's going to be a little like Elul pamphlet if you want to actually have a guide to like reflect and work through some of your strengths um, and weaknesses and things you want to work on. It's really cool. So are you all in the Facebook group? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. So I'll, I'm going to upload it in the next day or so. All right. Um, so the, there's a famous uh, Elul, if you, if you spell out Elul, it's Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed, right? Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed is the, is the word of Elul. And so we know that the acronym, we use the first letter of each of those, right? Spells out different phrases and different, what's the, fa there's a famous one that's associated with Elul that reflects this time, special time of closeness and bonding we have with, with God. You don't remember it? Yeah. You do? Which means? Um, I am my beloved, my beloved is to me. Right. I am to my beloved as my beloved is to me. Meaning there's a certain specialness. It's like nearly like a time of engagement where you just feel so excited and bonded and close. And by the way, just say Mazel Tov, Paula is new tonight, but she got engaged last night. What? So I just felt I had to say that while we're talking about just getting engaged. And we're talking about Elul being the month of engagement. It's like couldn't be more perfect, you know. Anyway, muzzle top. It's really exciting. But the feeling, that extra excited feeling that I'm sure you felt, right? There's awesome pictures on Facebook. Um, and, um, and, you know, that excited feeling of, of there's a closeness, there's an extra closeness, extra belovedness, I guess. That's the feeling that we can have tangibly with God. You, you'll see things like happen in this month that don't happen in the year. If you, if you keep your eyes open and you look for it, it's amazing. I love it. It's, it's, that's really why it's my favorite time of year. Um, so the question is, how do we create this closeness? Does anything block it? And what can I do to enhance it, to promote it, to, to focus on it? So, what's the theme of Rosh Hashanah? If we work backwards as well, what's the theme? What's the main core theme of Rosh Hashanah? New beginning. Yeah, but what, what am I meant to be doing on Rosh Hashanah that's, that sets that new beginning? What's all the prayers about? Can't miss it. Yeah, but in what way? It's a specific way. God can be lots of things. He can be my Abba. He can be my husband. Huh? Malchus. Malchus means what? Kingship. Which means, what does that mean? It's about, it's about praising God for like his, like creating the world and like, refre like continuously creating the world. But what does it mean? That's true. What does it mean for my personal life? He's what? Like my ruler. He's ruling my life. Yeah. Exactly. So Malchus, when we're reading all these prayers in Rosh Hashanah, that we think, oh, these are lovely, nice, poetic prayers, but I don't really relate to them. So if we pre bring that piece into connection with my own personal life as it here, is, here and now in 2015, what does it mean? It means I choose to let go, let God. Yeah? That cool poetic phrase that we all see everywhere, inspiring quotes. Let go, let God means I let go that I think I'm in control of my life. Yeah, and I let God be in control of my life. That really God is in control of my life. I'm exactly where I need to be right now. Yeah, 
And even if it's not exactly how I would want it, like if I was really God running my life, I would have for sure done things differently, I'm telling you right now. Like there's many things I would, I would do differently. So what, like, you know, when it comes to God, we, we're all like, yeah, for sure, God runs the world. He's amazing. He's awesome. God, you know exactly what you're doing. But when it comes to my life, I kind of I I got it. I, I know what's best. I got it from here. You know, I'll, I'll take it. But I'll just let me do this bit. You know, you know that feeling, right? Where, where your own will comes up to, are you serious? Really? Like, this had to happen? Why? You know, like, we argue. We fight back. We, we want to know, like, what... So making God king really means making God king over me. I really want to surrender and let God be the king over me in my personal life, that I let you run my life. Yeah, whatever you want, Hashem. Whatever you want. And it's, sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's easier. And sometimes it's excruciating. Sometimes it's absolutely excruciating if you don't get something that you really want in the way you want it or... What we don't realize is we're, not, we're, in a, we're in a story. We're not at the end of the story yet. One of my favorite quotes that Rabbi Tchaikovsky said in Israel, he said, everything's okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Right? You're in a process. Um, so if, if we're talking about making a Shem king, what meter, which is a character trait, what character trait in our own personality would you say blocks us from making a Shem king the most? There was one... Ego. Great. Your ego blocks. Why? Because no, I want to do what I want to do. Right? I don't want to let God run my life. I, I want to do what I want to do. Sometimes I agree with God and sometimes I don't agree with God. But I really want to try and do what I want to do. Right? We all know this feeling. So that's what I wanted to focus on today was really some ideas around this idea of ego because because it's a class. I'm not talking one-on-one -on -one to people with their specific situations. This is something we all have to work with and we all have to deal with it in ourselves. And it will manifest in different ways depending on who we are. But this is really the focus of this month. Because when you get to Rosh Hashanah, you want to be in the best position where you can be completely connected with Hashem as much as possible and let Him be your king on Rosh Hashanah. Yeah? And if you really think about it, if you look at what blocks relationships from being close, it's also ego often. Right? If something happens and I don't want, why should I apologize? They should apologize. They did that, right? All that whole talk stuff, it creates barriers. It's all about barriers. Yeah? So if I want to be close with someone, I often have to drop my ego as well. It's the same principle. It's all about relationship. Judaism is about relationship. Myself and others and God. To that degree, I'll live in that world of Hashem Echad, oneness. Okay. Um, and it makes sense, by the way. You know the, the phrase, full of, full of yourself? So if someone's full of themselves... What does that mean? It means I'm full of my own ego. I'm full of me. I'm so full of me that I can't possibly make space for you or for God or for anyone, right? So if I want to actually have a real relationship, I have to nullify my ego in some way to make space, right? That, that, and what does it mean full of myself? It means that the more my inner world is absorbed with myself, that all I'm thinking about is me and what can I do for me and what do I need and what do I feel and what's good for me today and what do I feel like doing and what, you know, what's important to me. By the way, you can tell when someone speaks how many times they use the word I, whether at subconsciously. I this, I that, I that, I that, right? Now there's nothing wrong with it, but that as you see the center of their, their own universe is themselves, right? And you can catch yourself, I've caught myself doing this so many times, like it's terrible. Stop, right? I have to stop, <laughs> right? Okay, so let's look at where did this first, yeah. 
no question about like evaluating your ego because I think that like a lot of times you like we're not as conscious of how inflated our ego is. Yes, totally. Because most of the time, like things don't come up against your ego. It's only right. when you have something that's like challenging your ego that you realize like how inflated it really is. Yeah. So then, how can you work on it like on a regular basis if you're not really being like tested with that? Oh, don't worry. God will send you tests. I'm not. Don't ask for more. I'm not. <laughs> Don't ask for more. Like traffic can be a test. Getting right. missing a bus, missing a train. When you're right. when you're right. right. Think what, what what's the test? The test is when things don't go my way. How do you react when something doesn't? Now you're telling me everything goes no, your way. Like, of course I mean, not. I think like you're like being able to manage like something like a traffic jam or like missing the bus is, is different than like the really like life. Um, altering moments where it's like, oh, this is like a real a real time for me to like find my ego. There's big tests and there's smaller tests. So yeah. missing a train is a smaller test, but boy, people get upset. Oh my gosh. Right. People in traffic, road rage, right. it's outrageous, right. literally. Right. They can't control themselves, right? right? Why? Because it didn't go according to my will. But it's not your will that's running the world, it's God's. Right. So even that, when I catch myself getting annoyed, I'm like, no, nope, you run the show, no, nope, you run the show, no, nope, you run the show. Okay, I'm not meant to get there on time, fine. Or I just left late, it's my fault, and it's my problem. Right. Like, I, I, I should have left earlier. Right, because to a certain extent, like, your free will, those are choices that you made. So those decisions are not. Right. They're not. Right, but my, it was my free will to leave early and not care enough to, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, questions? Yeah. Well, no, I just wanted to add, if it's okay. Um, there was this great class that I have your graphic she was saying that like, okay, let's say you're going down, you're, you're in your car, you're stuck in traffic, whatever, um, and like you left on time, so you're like, okay, like sorry, this is up to you, God, whatever. And then let's say you know you were running late and like you purposely left 10 minutes late and now you're stuck in traffic, you're not going to pray to God necessarily because you know it's your fault. But she was saying like, who do you think made you a procrastinator? Who do you think made you that way? Right, it's right. Still, you can um, take it back. Yeah, yeah, it's your fault, God. It's, still, it's all your fault. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I hear what you're saying. But I also yeah. think there's different different kinds of ego. I don't know. I think that's what I'm a little confused about. Like, I'm very chilled in the traffic jam. I'm very chilled in the train. But I still have an ego in another way. I don't think it only has to do with, like, impatience and that kind of thing. No, that's just one manifestation. I just use that because it's a common one. Right. But no, 100%. Who you are, what family you were born into, what type of, how you were raised, your personality traits that you were God-given when you were born that was not your choice, right? your strengths, weaknesses, that is all a, a predestined reality that you have. And then because of that reality, certain things will push your buttons and certain things won't, 100%. And your job is only to focus on the areas where you notice your ego come up. Or is ego only about control? Do you know what I mean? It's about this whole thing of giving... Like, your will, power. your will, what you want to do in whichever area. Okay. In a sense, yeah? And then taking credit for it. Like basically, it's about t leaving God out of the picture. But let me get to it because it's in here. This is a this is unbelievable. Okay, so look at this. Uh, oh no, not source one yet. So when Adam ate from, when Adam sinned in in the garden, it says Moshe Weinberger actually says says this that he removed the letter Dalad from two names of Hashem. It's like what? When Adam sinned, it says he removed the letter Dalad from two names of Hashem. Which two names of Hashem have Dalit in them? Adovanai, and what else? Anyone? Yes. Yes, Shaddai. 
You heard of this this name? Yeah, God. Right? Where do we see that? It's on the outside of the mezuzah. There's a shin. Okay. That's standing for this. For this. Uh, so, it's about the shah. The shah from shah. We say shakai because you're not meant to say God's name. Just willy, you know, willy nilly. Shakai comes from when he said, when he made the, was making creation, God was making creation, mm-hmm. and it says, Shiamar, die. That God said, die, enough. Because otherwise, yeah, like must speak, because otherwise when God creates, it should just be creating into infinity, right? God creates, then an infinite being creates something, it should just go into infinity. At some point, you have to say, enough, stop here. Here are the boundaries, right? So that name of God, which we say, Sha, and then die, right, in one word, mm-hmm is the energy, the energy, the essence, the quality of God, so to speak, that is about limits. That's like a very feminine quality. Gavura, right, pulling back, right, having limits, setting limits, being restrained, right? And what does Ado, and then Nai, what does that actually mean? Does anyone know? The name, if we translate that from Hebrew. My king? Huh? My king? No, not my king. Unity aspect of God? Or the... No. That's UK Vavk. Yeah, there is that aspect of it, but what does the actual word Ado and Nai mean? My master. My master. It literally means my master. So these two names mean my master, and then when God said enough, die, right? That's Sha and then die. So you have two names, and it says that Adam took the Dalads out when he sinned. So what does that mean? What do you get with the word Ado and Nai if you take out the Dalad? Ani. Ani. You take out Dalit of the word Ado, then Nai, you get the word Ani, which means? Me. Me. So what does it mean? When he took out, when Adam chose to eat the thing, Hashem said, don't eat from this tree. Then Adam lost consciousness of Hashem in the picture when he ate, and the only focus was on his Ani, on what he wants, not what Hashem wants. Yeah? He only focused on what I want. So on some level, we also feel that at every moment that we actually do make a mistake or sin, we also feel that. I want what I want. What is the dollar taken out? Yeah, what does that say about the dollar? I guess. So that it's inter- well, it's interesting. I don't know what it says about the, what it means about the, why it's dollar. Why that dollar? Dollar means also often physical. Dollar is four, which is the fifth time and space. But I don't know. I don't. He didn't. He didn't expound on like why is it the dollar that's taken out? But I'll show you where it's put back in, and maybe that'll give some clues. It's okay. very interesting. Um, I can I can ask about that. I know who I can ask about that. Um, so in every moment, we also focus on the ani, which means it takes God out of the picture, right? The dalit. Yeah, because you'd think it would be a yud if it was going to be taking God out of the picture, right? The yud is spiritual, so you would think it's interesting. It's a good, it's a good question. I'm going to check it. What's the other one if we take dalit out of the other name, shah, and then die? We get shy, which if you change the letters around, shin yud, it's yesh. What does yesh mean? There is. Here it is. Here I am. Yesh is like, I'm here. I am. Yeah? That's what yesh means. So Hashem exists. He's a yesh. But I'm also a yesh. I also exist. Right? I also want to have my own existence separately. So I know God says this is not good, but I also exist and feel this is right for me. What does it mean then when we say when we sin we feel this independent sense of self? I'm just going to skip this because we're going to be short on time. 
sometimes we get so carried away with the ani we forget or we deny God. There's that famous uh, picture I actually posted on my Instagram a couple times of the two, you know, the twins in the womb talking to each other, and they say, "Do you do you believe in a in mom?" And the other kid twin says, "Like, nah, I've never seen mom. I've never heard of mom. Like, you know." And the, you know, the umbil- umbilical cords going into them, feeding every single thing and every breath and every. They're in, they're in mom, they're in the womb, everything is mom, everything is mom, and they're debating, is there a mom? So we get like that too. Isn't that so good? This is like an awesome, awesome analogy, right? But it's so real, because it's exactly what we do. God is everywhere, he's giving us every heartbeat, every breath, every, he's willing us into existence. And yet we're like, I don't know, you believe in God? It's, it's exactly the same, it's unbelievable. But when we sin, that's what we're doing. When we sin, that's we just completely kind of shifted him out of the picture. He's not there. Okay, the Ani gets too strong sometimes. So let's look in source one. This is awesome when I came across this. Source one is uh, the Boratius 3.13. Yeah? I don't know which order we have it in there. So it says here, after the sin, God says to Chava, to Eve, what did you do? What did you do in the sin? So she, she, this is an opportunity, by the way, of course God knew what she did. So this was an opportunity for her to actually fess up and do tshuva and take responsibility and make, a, make amends. So instead, what did she do? He made me do it. <laughs> the snake. Right? She starts blaming. Yeah? He made me do it. Who's he? The, the snake, the nachash, right? If we look inside, where it says on uh, verse 13, in English, she, in English it says, the woman said, the servant deceived me, and I ate. Yes? Mm-hmm. That light just went on, thanks. That was great. Um, <laughs> if we look in the Hebrew, this is so interesting. He says, Hanachash, I'm reading on the third line from the bottom. Page 35. Page 35, third line from the bottom in the Hebrew. Hanachash hashiani v'yochel. So this is so weird because the word for deceive or trick is usually not this word hashiani, hishiani, right? Hishiani is a weird word. So if you go down to Rashi on 13, he asks the question on it by saying, what is this word? He looked it up in other ways. It says the word deceive me. So that's what it means. That she's, she's saying the serpent deceived me, the, the snake deceived me. But if we look at that Hebrew word, what's in that Hebrew word? There's the, ye- there's the yesh and the ani. You see the ani? Hishi ani. It's not wrong. They just, yeah, I don't know. I have to, I'll ask that question too, why they flip it. Yeah, there's the yesh and there's the ani. Right? So what's she also saying? It wasn't that the serpent deceived me. The serpent deceived me with my own ani and my own yesh. My own will to be independent with my own will, like it wasn't like, it wasn't just the snake that deceived me, he used my own sense of wanting to be separate, my own sense of wanting to do what I want to do. She's really self-aware. She's very self-aware. If we look at source, the other one on the voracious, the snake, when the snake tries to convince her, which is three, verse four, Genesis three, uh, page 31, 
when the snake wants to convince her to eat and go against what God says, he says, you will not surely die. You will be like God. Right? Down the bottom there. You'll be like God. So what does that mean? What, if you're going to eat a fruit, you're going to be like God. Like it's a magic thing that you take a fruit and poof, poof you're like God. That's what it, of course, it sounds infantile. It doesn't mean that at all. It says if you make a, if you make a choice that Hashem told you not to do, You'll feel like him. You'll be independent. You'll feel equivalent to God because you're making your own choices independently. There's a certain power in that. To have my own yesh, my own ani, right? I, have my, I also have my own view. I can choose something even if I know it's not right. So you see, this was the source of all corruption in the world. All evil came out of this sin. This was the root spiritually of sin and of, of mixing evil with goodness and not having clarity in the world around things. Before this, the clarity was that you know, the, all good things were, um, it was very clear. Everything was separated. It was very clear. And after the, after the sin, everything got internalized and mixed up. We couldn't, we couldn't really determine the difference. And this was the root, was the ani, was having a separate sense of like, I have my own will and I want to do something outside of what Hashem wants. So the big question is, what can we do in Elul, which is all about closeness and all about bringing Hashem into the picture? And Rosh Hashanah is the ultimate day where that is the sole focus of the day. Why is it the sole focus of the day? Because that should plant a seed for my whole rest of my coming year that I want to plant as my main focus of the year that I make Hashem my king. Because that is what a Jew is meant to do. That, that's, that's when you actualize your potential. That is when you actualize your potential. When you actually realize there is something above you and that there is a clarity around that. And life also becomes a lot easier. It becomes a lot easier to let go, right? Not fight every single thing. So what can we do in Elul practically to bring Hashem back into the picture? So there's two things. So this is so amazing. There's, there's two mitzvahs that, that do this specifically. And um, we, can, we can have a bit more awareness as we hear them, see them, do them ourselves through the next month. One of them is the mitzvah of Shema, saying Shema. So if we say Shema, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, right? Hero Israel, Lord is our God. Our God, right? The Lord is one. Everything's one. So you see, Echad, there's one Dalit. I'm putting back the Dalit. If you look in a sitter, the Dalit of Echad is big. It's written big, bigger than the other letters. Why? It's the Dalit that was taken. We're putting it back into our life. I'm putting Hashem back into our life. With the what? Iron. Where? In the Shema, the iron is also. I don't know. Not, I don't know. Not that I know of. But I'm sure there's many deep reasons for that. Iron. We could ask about that as well. Um, so I'm saying that, that God is one. Echad. So there is one of the Dalads. What's the next line? After the Shema. After you say Shem Echad. What do you whisper? Baruch Shem Kavod Le'Alam Ba'ed. There's a second dollar. Yeah? For eternity. So you see that it says that Adam pulled out two dollars when he forgot about God. And here it is, we're putting dollar back in. Into our personal lives. What the whole point of Shema is saying that even though there are so many realities in my life, there's work, there's my friends, there's my family, there's all sorts of conflicting things. I know there is only one true reality, one true source, and that's you, God. Everything's coming from one source. 
and I want to focus just on that source and making that source the most important thing and understanding that everything comes from that source. This is the place where I let go and let God. And you can actually use this exercise to practice this muscle of letting go every day when you focus on this. Even if you said the two lines. It's good to say the whole Shema. But when you're saying the Shema, once a day, this is what I focus on. Everything's one. I'm just part of everything. I'm not in control at all. Right? God, you're in control. This is where I literally practice this muscle like it's pushing weights. Right? At a gym. You have to practice it because it's so. The world is so convincing. Other way, otherwise. Okay. What's the second? I'm getting to that. I just I realized I just said all this. <laughs> it's so funny. I went backwards. Um, Okay. Okay, if we ask ourselves, where's the one location in the world where a person feels the greatest sense of ani? Where do I feel the greatest sense of myself in the world? <laughs> do I want to know that answer? No, 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 no I didn't it wasn't okay. on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> Only it's sold. Only it's sold would you get an answer like that. It's hysterical. I love it. On the dance floor is one. Okay. <laughs> Looking in the mirror, interesting, because you get a sense of yourself. Okay. When you're a baby. Huh? When you're a baby. There's nothing else. Oh, because there's nothing else. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's interesting. But where is the most? What? Let's say physical. Let's say a physical place, like the dance floor. Israel. Oh, okay, Israel. Yeah. Well, I'm talking day to day, day to day in your in your life, day to day, going moving through your life. Where is the place where you feel the most you? Bed. Yes, at home. <laughs> okay, good. So I'm glad we all agree on that. That's okay. the only time where I'm like really meditating. On the dance floor? <laughs> I was kidding, I was kidding. No, I know. In bed? Yeah, like I feel like that's when I really like spend time thinking and praying. Right. So You're that just. That wouldn't be where I think about myself. That it's not about thinking about yourself, but where no. you feel the greatest sense of just who you are without oh. any like um, pressures or like even when you're out even you are aware of what people will think of you you're aware of like what you're worried about other people what what my boss is going to think what would my friends think if I do right there's a sense when you get home and walk through that front door ah you can just be you no one's watching you can just relax you can just let go and just be a slob if you want get into I get out of these tights straight away and get into my PJ like it's just like oh right I feel so relaxed so that is the greatest sense of honey is in your personal home which is like your personal palace Right, that's the time where no one's looking, right? You could, you could be as unrefined as you want, yeah? You could eat with your mouth open if you want. You could just like be a slob if you want. Like, it doesn't matter, like you're just yourself. So that is in a way the greater risk of losing sight of Hashem because you're just left to your own devices in a way, yeah? So you could have the greatest sense of honey at home. So what do we see is a beautiful idea in that place where I feel the greatest sense of ego potentially, or my, myself in that way, where I could forget about Hashem, Hashem says, I want you to do one mitzvah. Put up, put up mezuzahs. Yeah? What, what's, in, what's inside a mezuzah? Shema. Yeah? What's inside a mezuzah is Shema, that I, oh, every single doorpost. I'm going to remember as I walk through it, Hashem, you rule over this part of my life. In the kitchen, Hashem, I'm not going to eat meat and milk together. Hashem, you, you're in charge of the hexers here. 
This is not my kitchen, it's your kitchen. I'm, I'm doing this with you in mind as well. When I walk into my bedroom, yeah, this is also, even though it's my, this is my most private domain, but I'm still aware of you. Yeah, I'm still aware of you. When I walk into my, my home, my living room, I'm gonna act still in accordance with your, with your laws. And you see on every single doorpost in a house is meant to be this, this reminder that Hashem, you're also here with me. I'm not alone, not just Ani. There's an Ado and then Na here. So inside of every mezuzah is the Shema, which is all about making Hashem king, letting go, letting God. What's on the outside? The Shin from Sha Ben Dai, the name Sha Dai, right? Which is about limits. Yeah, setting limits. You set the limits of Shem, I don't. You tell me up to what point is okay and what point not. That I want my house to be aligned with your rules, not my rules. Your presence is here in every room, room you rule over everything. And for anyone who likes gematria, gematria is a scientific notation. So an aleph is a one, a bet is a two, a gimel is a three, and we can make all sorts of scientific notation if you're more scientific minded. You can all, there's a whole lot of codes and patterns in the Torah, like the matrix, you know, of equal. Hi, have a great week. Um, all sorts of codes and, and things in the, in, that match up, that show connections between words. It's unbelievable. It's very, very deep. So if we count up the letters that make up the word mezuzah, and then we count the corresponding numbers of those letters, it equals 65, right? Mem is 40. Zion is 7. Bav is 6. Zion is 7. Hey is 5. So that equals 65. And if we count up the letters that make up Ado 9, we find it's also 65. So you see there's a deep connection between making Hashem my king, my master, which is what Ado the 9 means, is the same as the putting the mezuzah on the door, making Hashem master of my palace. Right? You see this theme is so pervasive in everything we do and every part of Judaism. This is a core fundamental concept that we have to work with for the whole of our lives. Every year, all the time, in my home, right? So it's interesting that there's a custom for the whole of the Jewish people to check your mezuzahs in Elul. This is the month that they say every two years you should check the mezuzahs in your home to make sure they're still kosher, that nothing faded, that the letters aren't, you know, these crazy stories, things happening negatively, God forbid, to people when the mezuzahs, they checked their mezuzahs and they were all crazy. Right? I know you can't think that's the first option, but at some point you should check your, your mezuzahs. They should get to the doctors and you should do all the health things. But the, they check mezuzahs typically in Elul. It's very interesting. Okay. Was that the second mitzvah? Yeah. So one was Shema and one was mezuzah, but you see they're intrinsically linked. And so when you go past a mezuzah and you choose to kiss it, this should have a different meaning now. Yeah? You don't, it's not halacha. You don't have to do it. But some people out of the custom often like to kiss it when they walk past. But you see the kissing should be, there's a belovedness here that I want to make Hashem my king, like ruler over me. Like I, I, you're, 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 you're the boss. Yeah? I, I know you're the boss. And I, I love that. That's really where that should be coming from. Something, it's a nice thing to do through Elul, to focus on it through Elul. Um, okay, I'm just going to finish on this last cool thing. If you go into the sitter, the last page I gave you, this is a famous uh, 
part of davening, and it's also a Tehillim. 144, actually. Where um, it's basically a, a psalm of thanks. Mizmor the Soda, Lord the Toda. This is what this is a famous one. It's very powerful. And here it says, if, uh, where the underline is, "Who asanu velo anachnu." It's a famous famous phrase that God made us. Who is God? He made us. Velo anachnu, not 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 us. We didn't make ourselves. So. The velo here, even though it's spelt here with a vav, when we say the word lo, you could spell the word lo two ways. Lamad vav, or what's the other spelling for lo? Like as in no. Lamad aleph. Right? The way to say, you can re you read it lo, but if you were just hearing this without reading it, you wouldn't be sure which, word, which, which spelling it was. There's two meanings here, two poss possibilities. Right? The God made us velo anachnu. So here, if you just listen to velo anachnu, you could say God made us, and we are His. Yeah, like and we are His. Like we're to Him. Yeah, meaning like we're His. Like law here, the lamad vav is is to Him. Or if you were just hearing this, you would think who asanu He made us velo anachnu and not us. We didn't make ourselves. Only God made us. Sometimes you can think, oh, I built my life, I did everything, I made myself, I take credit for everything. Right? You didn't take you didn't make how you looked, you didn't give yourself intelligence, you don't make your body function. There's lots of things we don't can't take credit for, but a lot of people, oh I did everything. Right? So no, we didn't make ourselves. Good to very important to remember, we didn't make ourselves, God made us. So you hear the two meanings here. One is God made us, and now we're his, right? Or we're to him, we're beloved. And the other is God made us, we didn't make ourselves. Yeah, you hear that? So this is a beautiful idea. What's the connection between the two laws? Lamad Vav and Lamad Aleph. Elo. Lamad Vav and Lamad Vav, Lo, and Lamad Aleph spells Elo. What's the connection? This is a beautiful, I'll just finish on this note. Sfas Emma says that in Elo, this is the time to practice this. To the degree that I can be law, lamad aleph. What does that mean? To the degree that I can be nullified, not, no. To the degree that I can be no, I can be nothing, meaning nullified, my ego nullified. To that degree, I can be his law. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. To the it's poetry, it's literally poetry, it's not mine. It's and it's Torah. But, but it's literally beautiful poetry to the degree that I can nullify my own sense of my ego. So I'm not full of myself. To the degree that I can empty myself out and say, it's not about me, it's about you. Right? And focus on the other and not about Ani all the time. To that degree, to whatever degree I can do that, to that degree we'll have a belovedness. I'll be his. Law. Lamad Vav. And when you. When you put that together, that's, that is Elul. That is the theme of Elul. The whole point of our lifetime is to arrive at our higher self, which means being driven much more by the soul than by the more base instincts, right? Yetzir Tov versus Yetzir Hara, those things. So the only way I can do that is if I empty myself out of those, those lower drives, those lower focuses, the Ani, focusing on everything I want, the selfishness, the, the me, 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 me. So where else do we see that God knows we have to focus? It's a hard work and it's really tough. It goes against our nature. We're born with very 
base selfish drives, but we're also born with higher spiritual drives. So the base drives can sometimes feel much more visceral and much more strong, right? So God says, don't worry, I'm going to put all sorts of mechanisms in the system for you to practice building these spiritual, spiritual muscles of the soul so that you can constantly come back and keep focusing on it. That's the life's work. So where else do we see this put into our Jewish existence? We see Shema. Okay, say Shema once a day. Men say it two, three times a day. Yeah? Focus on the fact that Hashem is king. Everything's one. It's not about you. That's number one. When I wake up in the morning, first word out of my mouth if I'm trying to live as a Jew is Modeh. Modeani. The beautiful prayer. There's a one-line prayer in the morning where we say, I thank you, God. Interestingly enough, we don't see, say Ani Modeh, which is the correct Hebrew way to say it. Normally you would say, I thank. Ani Modeh. Right? So what, there's a deep, deep revelation here. The fact that this prayer is switched. Mode ani. Thank you, I will thank. Right? You don't want to start with yourself. You don't want to wake up and say, my first word is ani. That would be the antithesis of Judaism, right? It's an amazing idea. So it's beautiful in the sitter. They, they say, wake up, the first word out of your mouth should be thanks. Not me. Right, Mode Ami, Lafanecha. Yeah, before you. Thank thank you. Yeah, before you. Where else do we see it? In tefillah, in prayer. Every time we pray, there's certain parts where I have to bow. This is a beautiful idea too. What is bowing? Bowing is literally nullifying yourself. The spine is reflective of the ego. The deepest farim say I just make sure I get this right. Say the spine is like the nachash, the snake. The spine is similar to the snake. The snake was upright. Did you know that? The punishment for the snake was to be slithering on the ground eating dirt after he's deceived Eve to eat. So the, the snake was upright. The spine in us represents that part of us. What, that usually blocks us from achieving our potential. So we're like sometimes we become, when we're upright and we're like proud, yeah, it's about me. I did it all, right? If you sit like this, more humble, it's very hard to feel that feeling. If you sit physically upright, it is bad posture. No, you shouldn't sit there. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, you notice when we're in a more humble position, it's very hard to feel that feeling. But when my spine is upright, that's when I feel proud and I feel kind of haughty, arrogance, right? That's the position I would be in. You see people who are arrogant? There's postures that go with arrogance. And they're usually having the spine upright, yeah? Taking up lots of space in the world. That, that, that's the posturing of, of arrogance. So here, the spine is often associated, the deeper sources say, with the serpent. So when we bend, we're actually opening our, our, our spine to God, to the Shekhinah, actually, to the feminine presence of God. Um, there's deeper other ideas that say when you actually do that, the Shekhinah comes and rests on your spine. It's very interesting in prayer. Um, but we're opening essentially to having Hashem rule over our life. That's really what, when, every time we bow, it's literally a practice of reminding myself I'm nullifying myself to you. So you see this is woven through the whole day if you become aware of it. Then I can go past the house and my house and kiss my mezuzah and say, ah, Hashem, you run, you run my, my, my inner palace also. Yeah, and you see all these things, please God through Elul, we can start to focus on practically and we can start to build up uh, a real sense of closeness and specialness and you can start to really enjoy and love Elul. It's an amazing month and um, there's an amazing power to transform yourself if you want to work on any meter, any character trait, 
or any quality or any aspect of Judaism that you want to strengthen, develop and build, this is the month to do it. I'm happy to sit with you. Um, a lot of people take on a specific practice of something they want to change from the first of Elul for 40 days because it says it takes 40 days to, ch- to break any habit in yourself. By the way, it says this in the secular sources. It's very interesting. It obviously comes from Torah first. But they, they acknowledge this in the secular source. It takes 40 days. And that's 40 days is also the forming when the embryo finally forms. And they say, I think the sex is done at 40 days. All sorts of things happen at 40 days. 40, obviously, is a spiritual ma- magical number there. But they take on a habit for 40 days they want to break to, to strengthen something. You take on something extra often from first of all to Yom Kippur is exactly 40 days. And then you're taking it on only for 40 days to practice something to transform in your life. Um, so that's from first of Elul which is in about two weeks, through to Yom Kippur is exactly 40 days. Yeah. I thought you were supposed to take on Midot during the Omer. There's a certain awareness of focusing on certain Midos in the Omer that you gently, you know, you build, build. but if you look at it, it's one, one a day, so you can't really work on it deeply. So you, this, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to do you could choose a few things. No, not one thing. But you, I, uh, taking on something for 40 days, yes, focus on one area, like yeah, speech or okay. but something specific within speech. If you want to get very specific with your goals, I'm happy to bounce them off you, like about with you. Um, but yeah, and then at Yom Kippur, you can then choose to integrate something into your life permanently if you want to at the end of Yom Kippur. But um, I'm going to put up this other brochure as well. And... Um, happy to discuss if anyone wants. It's a really good time two weeks before Elul rather than be in the middle of Elul and go, oh, I didn't do anything, which is what I usually do. We usually do an Elul class in the middle of Elul and everyone's like, oh, I wish I did this two or three weeks ago, right? Yeah. So, hence. I was wondering why. I was like, it's Right, you're wondering why? Because it's really good to prepare for Elul before Elul gets here. It's very powerful. It's like setting goals. Setting goals. It's all about preparation. Back to the cooking. Back to the cooking. 100%.